Welcome to DP City Church Podcast. Connect, grow, serve. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. I gotta make sure, okay, it's on. Good news. My computer is on. Uh, You guys, I am so pumped to be with you tonight. I'm super honored that you guys would have me. Um, Can we please uh, give a huge round of applause to show honor? If you guys would do me a favor, stand to your feet with me. Yeah, stand with me. Uh, I I believe in a culture of honor. I found that that what you honor, you get more of. Uh, In the Bible, it says, he who honors... A uh, prophet in the name of, the, I'm not talking about myself, by the way. He, he who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. He who honors a righteous man or woman in the name of a righteous man or woman receives a righteous person's reward. So can we give it up for your amazing pastors? So, so amazing. <laughs> Pastor Suzanne and Pastor Steve, I'm so grateful for you guys. For Kyle and Teresa and you guys' wonderful families, I love you guys so, so much. Thank you. Now, you may take your seat. Yeah, no, they, they, they honored the socks off me. We went to, what was that, what was that joint we went to? Tacos and beer, and we got, uh, I, got, I got the carne asada fries, but not the regular cheese, not like the nacho cheese, but the jack cheese. Apparently, that's like the best way to go, and it was <laughs> super good. I got like 50% of the way through, and I'm going to demolish the rest of it on my drive back to San Diego. So it's going to be a train wreck when I get home, and I have to use the bathroom. <clears throat> Anyways... I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, you guys don't know much about me. Oh, this is, hey, these up here, those are me. That's, uh, that's me. Uh, my name's Christian. I'm from San Diego, although I'm not originally from San Diego. Uh, I'm actually from a little place called Montana. Yes, the rumors that you've heard are true. There are more cattle than there are people. That is a very real, real fact. Uh, so I grew up in Montana, later on moved to Wyoming at the age of like uh, 11, and 11 for, to, what is it, 19? I lived in Wyoming, moved back to Montana, just moved around between those two states a lot. Now, needless to say, um, I did not fit in. I wear skinny jeans. Well, not, not as skinny anymore. Like, they, y'all, it was just, it was gross. It was, like, really kind of embarrassing, really. Like, I just didn't fit in. I wore too much deodorant. I smelled good because I wore cologne, so it just wasn't going to work out in Montana. So I moved to San Diego, where, uh, where I've uh, found an incredible church, and, and I get to be a part of what we do there. Um, I'm part of what we call Awaken Theater in San Diego, and that's a little bit of what we're going to get into tonight. But the, oh yes, look at this. Okay, so this guy here, that's, that's me as a blonde. I dyed my hair like stark white. Uh, that's our show called Twisted when I was the training angel. Now, the training angel is like this chaotic character who uh, is all zeal, but like literally no knowledge. So a very comedic, very fun character to play. Next guy. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy's disgusting. Uh, that is the devil. If you didn't know what the devil looked like, that, that is him. I got to play that role, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Next Oh, yeah, this is gnarly. So this, uh, this is Hero the Rock musical, um, the one where I get to play the devil. Um, it's not about the devil. It's actually about Jesus. Crazy. Uh, it's the Easter story. So it's the story of Jesus on the cross, and it is absolutely incredible. You get to be a part of um, directing, rewrites, and, and acting in that. And I'm also the character development coach. We'll go to the next one. So this one is another shot of Twisted. Now, this is last year's Twisted where I didn't get to be the crazy... Uh, fun angel guy that like runs around stage and like almost falls off of things. 
Uh, people got super nervous because I'm like 10 feet off the ground on a concrete stage. And I'm like testing my waters. And my pastors are in the front row like, are you kidding me? Stop it. <clears throat> so I, I didn't take that role on. Instead, they threw me in a much less dramatic, well, okay, more dramatic, less uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, less athletic role. <laughs> Uh, of Ebenezer Scrooge, and that's our witch doctor vibe devil in the middle there with our pastor. Uh, not, he's not an actual pastor, though he might be. You never know. You know, the calling of God is irrevocable. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to the next one. That's uh, footage from one of, our, one of our films for the show. Um, just old, depressed Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> no problem there. <laughs> next. And that, y'all, that's like my favorite look for the devil. Um, not for any other reason other than, like, I feel super, super cool when I get to wear this thick coat. I feel very Viking when I wear it, like, Viking to the max. I got this, like, bone, uh, not bone throne, the bone, um, crown, thank you, crown. It's super stellar. Uh, and we'll, like I said, we'll get a little bit into that. The apple in my hand, I ate so many of those. Ah, that one's by far one of my favorite shows. Um, <laughs> the apple in my hand, I ate, like, roughly 30 in between rehearsals and showtime, and it was, like, uh, if you ever want to bless me, anything but an apple. That's all I ask, anything but an apple. And then the last one, uh, another one of the pictures from uh, Twisted the Musical. It's an 80s musical, so all the 80s music, super cool. Um, all the kids in here that don't know what 80s music sounds like, you're missing out. Okay, do you know? Who knows? Thank you, the adults in the room. Yes. <laughs> Some, if, you, if you've never heard, um, wait, you guys remember that song, the... The never gonna give you at the beginning of the, yeah, 80s. Okay, Whitney Houston and I, yeah, that is like icing bread and butter, baby. Like that is that's better than a cold water on a hot day. I'm telling you. Um, but that is twisted the musical. So the the message that I have for you guys today is called picture this. Super super clever. You see that? Uh, picture this. So we're going to talk about a little thing called the imagination. Now leave it to a guy who literally plays dress-up for a living. Uh, a guy who gets to play, play, I get to play pretend for a living um, to talk to you about your imagination. Any SpongeBob fans in here? Imagination. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, the imagination. Now, I had like all this really cool, like in-depth, like structure, de like definition, like theological stuff that I was super pumped to get into. And then I was reading it and I was like, man, that sounds so boring. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're going to, uh, we're, we're not going to put you guys through school uh, this time around. Maybe next time. I don't know. Hey. But I do want to read you a couple of things uh, that I found on the interwebs. Um, this, this thing's actually from Leighton Talbert from BJU Seminary. Um, it's, a, it's a Bible college. Um, but he, this is what he has to say about the imagination. He says, the imagination is the ability to form a mental image of something not present to the senses, that's very important, or never before wholly perceived in reality. It seems logical and theologically safe to say that everything that exists existed in the mind of God before he created it, making him the ultimate and infinite imaginer. Everybody say imaginer. Yeah, sorry, I'm also a kids' church leader. Uh, at, at my church, so I do have you repeat things every so often. <clears throat> so, imaginer. And he says, it is the capacity to create past, oh, sorry, it's the, uh, the capacity the creator passed along uniquely to humanity via the imago Dei, which is the Latin word for in the image of God. Um, everyone employs it on some level every day. Imagination is the ground of all metaphor through, prob through, oh, hello, through, 
probably its most common form is memory. Um, we're distinguished beyond all, basically this is, he has a couple big words that say like we're different from animals because we have an imagination. Without it, there would be no art, no architecture, no music, no poetry, no mathematics, no geometry, which wouldn't be a bad thing for my opinion. <clears throat> no games, no inventions, anything and everything that makes life not just survivable but enjoyable hinges on the human capacity of the imagination. Now, the imagination, when I grew up in Montana, uh, I did not play a whole lot of video games. One, I was terrible at them. Uh, two, I was too little for the sports that my brothers were playing. So we played pretend a lot. That was like our thing. We'd play like, uh, we'd play like Cowboys and Indians, Cops and Robbers, and like we'd go around, we'd play war, and we'd like make our own guns out of sticks, which clearly are just sticks, and we'd like pretend like we're doing our thing. So we used our imagination a lot. So I got a lot, a lot of practice uh, doing that. Now, the thing that I've come to realize as I grew up, as I grew up to be a man with a man's voice and facial hair, clearly I shaved it to look like a Spaniard today. I thought it was, uh, was kind of cool. I feel like, uh, any Princess Bride fans out here? Anybody? Yeah. My name is Diego Bantoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. I'm like, oh, man, that was a mistake. But I got to keep it because Twisted's coming up and I got to grow my beard out again. Um, but uh, the imagination is what we use to uh, to relate to movies or what we were used to, uh, to, re to relate to like music and poetry and art and things like that. The imagination is what stimulates all those things. The imagination is, what's, is what stores our, is how we access our memories. Now, the, uh, this whole origin of imagination, um, it actually started in the very beginning. So you guys go with me back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was, we're not going to go that far. Basically, let's jump over to Genesis 1, You guys don't have that. Don't worry about it. Uh, but this is where, on the sixth day, God created man. And the Bible says that he created man in his, anybody? Anybody know that? It's, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. And God created man in his image. Yes, a little quiet over here, guys. Okay, I'm going to need to, you guys need to engage with me, okay? He created you in his Yes, that's what I'm talking about. In his image and his likeness. Now, that word image that we get, wow, you're so quick. Well played, my friends. Give it up for the people in the back. Yeah. You're going to have to keep up with me here. So uh, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Now, that word image, when, when they translated the Bible into Latin, that's where they got imago Dei. That's the image of God. And coincidentally, we get our word imagination derived from that Latin word imago. Now, that's just the fun uh, historical stuff that I didn't want to tell you, but I ended up telling you anyways. Now, the way that this correlates into our today, into our lives, is we use imagination for anything and everything. Anything that ever was invented existed in the invisible before it made it to the visible. It existed in the unseen before it made it into the seen, right? So... I actually want to bring up the first, uh, my first, uh, well, I guess technically it's my second scripture. This is Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Now, oh yeah, wow, you guys are good. Um, as it's written, I have made you a father to many nations. This is God talking to Abraham. Of course, it's being uh, brought back by the writer of Romans. Um, I believe it's Paul, yeah, all right, <laughs> theological genius, um, says, in the presence of, who, of, of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So before there was anything, there was God, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and God called everything into being. But before it ever became being, it was 
in the imagination of God. It was in the unseen realm where God exists. So we, being born in the image and the likeness of God, we have access to that same creator power. And that power of the imagination is what actually not just, uh, it, it makes us unlike any other species on the planet, but it's what connects us directly to God. Without the imagination, we would have nothing in our lives. Without, our, without an imagination, we wouldn't have um, hopes. We wouldn't have uh, visions of the future. We wouldn't have goals to set or, or things to imagine. Um, right here, you in the, in the red. What do you want to do, like high school, college, job, dream job, dream thing you could do ever? If you say rock star, I'm going to make you crowd surf. I'm just saying. Air Force. Dude, let's go. Air Force. Now, here's the thing. That didn't just, like, come out of nowhere. He's thought about it. He's, he's put some imagination to it. Have you ever imagined yourself, like, fly, or you, you want to fly? Like, jets and stuff like that? Dude, did you see the new, uh, the new Top Gun? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I saw the old one. I just, I got so busy. I'm sorry. 80s, that's what I'm talking about. I was born in the 90s, but born for the 80s, baby. So, yeah, do you ever, like, picture yourself, like, mad, like, up, like, vroom, vroom, vroom. it's time to buzz the tower, and, like, all the cool stuff? You pictured it, right? So that started in his imagination. Now, I want to move to the second scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. This is verses whoop, 1 through 3, I believe. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and, and uh, hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So we live in two different realms because we were created by God. We, we, are, we are three-part beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And we live in this physical body. So we live in two different realms, okay? We were birthed in the spirit by God. So we were born in this unseen realm. And we exist also in this natural, visible realm. So there's, a, there's this, this connecting piece between the visible and the invisible. That is our imagination. Picture this, okay? When you have a, a dream to do something, you have a dream or goal in your life, that is, is birthed from this invisible realm. But what connects this visible to, or this invisible to the visible? It's this thing we call faith. The funny thing is, is faith is, uh, faith is one thing. It's, it's believing something that isn't visible, is actually real, right? It's totally different from fear. Fear is believing something that's invisible is actually visible. Do you see the difference there? <laughs> one's negative, one's positive, right? So we have the ability to picture something into existence. Um, take, for instance, uh, for, for, for us adults in the room, like we've lived a fair amount of life. We've, we've experienced the things, the fears where you're so fearful of something happening that you, you do everything in your power not to make it happen. But because you keep focusing on it, you keep seeing that fear come to life. What you focus on, you find more of. But what you dare to dream will eventually find you. So that's what we're talking about. Picture this. Picture the dreams. You guys, who's in here has ever seen the, the movie The Greatest Showman? Anybody? Yeah. I'm, so I'm a, clearly I'm a musical lover because I'm in them. Um, I was actually never really into musicals until I got in them. And I was like, man, musicals are sweet. I'm going to go watch some more. That, like, the, the prophet, uh, Hugh Jackman, in that movie, he sang the song. Uh, what's, what, who knows the song? Who knows the song? The, the, 
I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting up for me that I call my own. And every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors fill my head. A million dreams are keeping me awake. It's this song about how he's like dreams of this life. And it starts off when he's just a kid. And he's like, I got this dream. And he's got this cute little girlfriend. And she's going to move away. And he doesn't even know it. But he's like telling her about his dreams. And he's like, we're going to have this big, big house. We're going to have this beautiful life together. And what happens? She moves away. And he's heartbroken. And we're all heartbroken with him. He, then his dad dies, which is even worse. And definitely not part of his dream. And then so his dad's dead. He's like offending uh, for himself on the streets. And so he's like begging for money. He like steals bread, kind of like Aladdin, but different, not like made in a really deserty place. Uh, and so he like steals bread. This guy catches up to him. He's like, bah, takes it away from him. He's like, oh, I'm sad. And then this beautiful, sweet girl comes up and like hands him the bread. And he like, his dream like revives. And you, you see him later in life, like all of his wildest dreams actually come true. He dreamed this invisible dream that actually came into fruition. So my question to you is what are you picturing today? What are you picturing today? Uh, how this played out practically in my life, um, I had the opportunity to play all these roles, um, but I started off as that crazy, twisted angel where I was like, you guys know Jim Carrey, he's like, he's got a lot of body humor, where like a lot of his stuff's like, ah, this kind of weird stuff, and like that was my thing. I have Tic Tacs in my pocket in case I have to pray for someone. <laughs> I, had, I have coffee over there. <laughs> That's just, I'm pretty vulnerable, pretty transparent with you guys, Okay. But uh, very Jim Carrey-esque, but I went from, because I didn't know anybody when it first came to San Diego. Um, I was like super, like just coming out of this really bad depression. Oh, we'll kind of get into that in a second. Uh, but I didn't know anybody, so I was like, I, I was invited to a show. I literally went to a service, and this promo for, uh, for Hero actually came up, and, uh, and this girl standing next to me, she goes, hey, are you going to, are you going to hear, are you going to audition, are you going to Twisted? She said, are you going to Twisted? I was like, I don't, I don't know. She goes, I'm a demon. You have to go. Excuse me? I'm a demon. I'm a demon in the show. You should definitely come. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> First time in this church, and I'm thinking, like, man, there's some possessed girl that is, like, taking it way too far, man. And so I ended up going to the show, and I was, like, so inspired. I was like, man, like, this dude, like, live shreds on the guitar. I don't know how to play the guitar clearly by my hand motions, but he's like, I think I played too much Air uh, Guitar Hero, and I just, like, flicked the one little little knob that you have to hit. But this guy's, like, shredding on the guitar. I'm like, this is amazing. So I ended up auditioning for the, for the next coming show, and I got two smaller roles. I got to, I got to be Adam. Um, they made me wear a shirt. And then uh, when I got the role in Hero the second time around, I was like, I'm not wearing a shirt. That's not exactly how it happened. That just coincidence. <laughs> but uh, so I got a part in this, one, in this one show, and then I auditioned for this training angel role and, and twisted the following show year. And like, I just put it all on the table. But the problem with being the training angel was like, and I mean this humbly, I was really good and really funny. And then they wouldn't let me play anything else. And I was like, man, I got, I got skills, man. I can like act, I think. And like, let me, give me a shot, man. And they're like, ah. Oh. Oh, but Christian, like, you're just so funny, and we just want to keep you, you know, funny. And then they, I got into youth ministry, and sure enough, Christian's the fun guy, the funny guy. And I was like, man, this is just the worst. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the things I love doing, but I'm stuck being the funny guy. And it was like, ah, I just want this, I just want this other role. And the first time I auditioned for Hero, I was like, I want the devil role. But you know who got it? 
the six foot two handsome boxer guy who could sing like a stinking angel, and it was disgusting. He's one of my good friends. His name is Josiah, and I love him. If he sees this, I love you. Um, but also, really grinding my gears. Okay, so uh, Jesus, who the guy who played Jesus, was um, six foot. I think he's six foot three. I, I know you can't tell from way down there. I am not six foot anything. I am, I'm, I'm a little shorter than that. I'm, uh, I'm five eight on a good day, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like when the doctor asked me, hey, how tall are you? I was like, tall enough. That, <laughs> like, that's my answer. I'm five foot eight. Jesus, six three. It just does, it does not bode well for me playing the, the devil who's supposed to be, like, the main antagonist. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm just not going to audition for that role. Years passed, but I kept building this thing in my mind. I was like, just picturing, like, what I would look like in that role. Like, what would I, how would I see myself in this role? Because clearly, I'm not tall. Like, how do I contend with this six foot three uh, giant of a Jesus? And here I am just like, little old me, <clears throat> the funny guy from the other shows. So can I, can I get one of those chairs? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Your, tell me your name one more time. Connor. Connor. Connor, thank you, my friend. So here's what I did. I got one of these in the audition, and I was like, hold on one second. Okay, let's, let's go with the audition. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? So there's the end of the scene where I had audition for where Jesus and the devil face off. And this does not look intimidating as the devil. It just didn't look well. So I did this. I like had this whole little character thing where I kind of took on like a Viking vibe. And at the end of the thing, I got up on my, sorry, step on your chair. I'll clean it later. But I got up on, the, on this chair and I did one of these things. And he was like perfect. I was just his height. It was amazing. So now we have a permanent rock in the show for that specific scene because I'm short. So, but I had this whole vision. I had this whole thing planned out that, I'm just going to leave this here just in case it comes in handy again. <laughs> but I had this whole thing planned out. And the thing was is no one else could see when I told him I'm going to audition for, this, for, for the devil. Everyone's like, you yeah, know, <laughs> that's cute. You're, you're small. And I was like, I have it. I, I know exactly what it's going to look like. And I went out for the audition. Y'all, this is the stupidest thing. When no one's ever heard me do this, there's a, there's a scene. I, I added an accent because I was like, they can't see Christian, the funny guy. They have to see someone totally different. So I come out of this. Uh, there's, there's a scene. And I go. I go. I got to go through with the scene in my head. And I go. I go. With what? This is my doma. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. They go, <clears throat> what? what is that? But I saw it before they did. They gave me the shot, and it was, it was awesome. I got to play my dream role. I was super pumped on it. But it got me thinking that, because I grew up in Montana. Now, in order for me to get out of Montana, y'all, it, <laughs> it took a dream. I grew up in a town where you either joined the military or you did exactly what your dad did. Uh, and, and you, you know, you raised a family, you got married, you, which is great, I, and I love that. But that was just not what I, what I wanted. So I was like, Lord, I just feel like you've got more for me. But, like, going to San Diego was really just a dream. It was not even, like, an actual thought. But I always thought, like, it would be cool if I could do this. It would be cool if I could do that. And when I was 19 years old, uh, I ended up going to, uh, I, so I spent seven years just running from the Lord. And I got to a place where I was, uh, I, I was kind of just like broken and I had like maybe two friends left in the world. 
And then I moved back to my hometown to work for my uncle, who used to be my youth pastor when I was too young for youth ministry, but he did it anyways. So I really looked up to this guy, and uh, I just found myself, like, really thinking that I needed something different. And just a month prior, I had gone to this church of a guy who just wouldn't stop hounding me to go to his church. He's like, we worked in, we were served together at a, at a steakhouse. And he's like, dude, just come to church with me. I was like, fine. So I showed up. I was the only 19-year-old there. Everyone else was like 14, 15, and younger. And he was the only person I knew. They start service, and he leaves. Left me. I'm 19 in the midst of all these other, I was so upset. But in that service, they, they had like a worship service, and uh, no one knew this, but that was like something I loved as a kid. And then all of a sudden, this, this girl comes up to me, and she's like 14, and she calls me by name. I don't know if she knew my name or not. Um, it sounds way better if I say that she didn't know my name, but I honestly don't know if she knew it. But she said it. She goes, hey, Christian, um, God just showed me a, a vision of you, and it's you standing on this hilltop, and you're shooting people with arrows. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. This is really cool. And she goes, but they're like arrows of happiness and, and joy. And I was like, Ugh less cool. Still kind of cool, but like not like as cool as just like taking people out like, you know, <clears throat> like that. So I'm like shooting people with these arrows in, the, in this thing. She said, God, God has plans for you to make people happy and make them uh, really joyful when they're in low, pot, well, low spots. Uh, you're going to bring them up in those things. Funny thing is I didn't get excited over that word. I got so mad that God wasn't speaking to me. And I'm like, thank you. And I kind of go away and I'm sitting there and I start just like, God, why in the heck are you speaking to other people, but you won't even bother talking to me? And no kidding, moment later, this girl walks up. Hey, Christian, God gave me a word for you. He just wants you to know that um, he does speak to you. And yeah, she's like, he speaks to you, but it's not like the way you think he speaks to you. He speaks to you in a way of like pictures and kind of like videos in your mind. And it almost comes off like a thought, but it's not. It's actually God speaking to you. He's saying he's speaking to you. You just aren't listening. Uh, needless to say, that was a word in season. A month or two later, I, I leave. I go work in, the, in, in Montana. I spent the first five uh, weeks just, like, kind of living a double life, like, partying with my friends, but then, like, going to my home church to, like, <clears throat> put on face. Um, because it's, like, the people, like, I, like, they raised me, and I didn't want them to know I was, like, doing all the bad things in the town. So I, like, kind of just showed up. I ended up giving my life over to Jesus. And then, like, the next year I went to um, a Bible college, and it was the most amazing two years of my life. But the beginning of my third year, I, I gained so much revelation in that two years. But the beginning of my third year, I made some really terrible decisions. And those decisions affected a lot of other people. And it actually put me in a place where I was really, really depressed. Um, and it, it got me so low. I, I, I definitely would say I hit rock bottom. I, I, like, I lived out a movie, y'all. I moved back to Montana in my mom's car. And I lived in my uncle's trailer, camper trailer. You guys know those tin things that run off of propane? In the middle of winter in Montana, I lived in a camper where bi-nightly, the dang propane would run out. And I would freeze my little tush off. And when we, were, we weren't working on the one house that we had construction work to do it on, I would go to my grandpa's farm and I would, I would clear pasture. Basically what that looks like is this guy with a chainsaw, an axe, and a hatchet chopping a bunch of wood, throwing it in a trailer, driving it over, chopping the wood, and lining it up. I lived like your classic Hallmark movie. It was awesome and terrible. But I grew so much in relationship 
with Jesus that it got me out of this little funk. A few, a few uh, months later, I would eventually move to San Diego. Um, and it wasn't actually too long ago that I, I decided to go on Facebook because I don't really go on Facebook much. But I, uh, I went on to look at these messages that I found. And, um, and I saw this one message from this, this kid from Texas. Now, we did a, a conference in Texas where I met a lot of youth, and it was super awesome. And this message from this kid, he says, uh, he says, hey, Christian, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, I met you at, at said conference, and uh, I'm just going through some stuff, and you said if I ever need anything to reach out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to see when the heck this message came in. And I searched it up, and the, the message read, um, in that time where I made those terrible decisions, it was right smack dab in the middle of that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I better see if this kid's okay. And I click on the profile, and in the profile... He, uh, it says, R.I.P., and this kid's name. He had passed away in that same year that he messaged me. And I have no idea what had happened, but the worst feeling in the world is thinking that you could have been the bridge between someone's living and dying and not knowing that you did everything in your power to, to help. Um, but that got me extremely low because I was making these really terrible decisions that affected a lot of people, not realizing that it could have um, impacted a, a young man who was on the verge of life and death. And it built a very, uh, a very poor like, perspective of myself in my mind. And I actually, um, over, over the course of... Uh, the next couple of years, I got a lot of freedom in it. <clears throat> now, the way that I got this, this freedom, uh, I actually wrote something that really deeply impacted me that I actually never have shared with anybody outside of my parents. Um, so in the, in the last several minutes of, of what I have to share with you guys, uh, this is a direct reflection of the power of the imagination. I found that as I read the Bible, um, something that was missing for me was the relatability to certain people in the Bible. Um, and then I found one character that I did some studying on um, and just some imaginating, <laughs> if that is a word. I imagined what this person's life would have been like and found that I really, really uh, related to this individual. <clears throat> so I'm going to start reading this um, and there will be some music that comes up uh, partly through it. It's called, He Washed My Feet Too. I was there when he washed Peter's feet. I watched as he sat each of us down, removed our sandals, and filled the basin. Then he called John. He emptied the water, refusing to use what was tainted to cleanse the next. Then James, Andrew, Philip, Matthew, Thomas, yes, even doubting Thomas. His care for each one was equal to the rest, from the cutting, cussing sailor, to the one who would, lay, who would later lay his head on Jesus' chest. I saw him feed 5,000. I saw him heal the sick. I was there when he walked on water and, bright, and brought sight to a blind man using nothing but dirt and his own spit. He never went a day without kindness. He was never rushed, never amiss. He never once made me feel less than the others. Yet, I... Betrayed my best friend. 
with a kiss. It's best that I don't get ahead of myself. I mean, I don't want to, I want to tell my side of the story tonight. I'm not an author or a philosopher or any of that. So this is the only letter that I'll write. But you won't see this with the 66 others, no chapter or verse to be found. My letter isn't one of correction or encouragement. No one may ever even read this. My letter will never give birth to sound. Forever to suffer in silence while my flesh rots and is stripped by birds. If you haven't caught on, my name's Judas, and these are my final words. Forever I'll be painted betrayer, and I guess that's fair and all, but what really hurts me the most is that when he looked at me, betrayer is not who he saw. I joined his group three years ago, and my life was never the same. I watched the hurt healed, the dead being raised, and strength given to the lame. I saw him moved with compassion, and a recipient I'd even become. I'd make a mistake or intentionally steal, but he never made me feel wrong. He would correct, direct, and instruct me, and he would encourage me to do what was right. And with all that love and mercy he showed me, I I still did what I did that night. I was in a bind and scared that Peter might find out what I did. He'd kill me if he knew that I took from the purse. I thought I had no choice. I knew that I had to act quick. I mean, I've seen Jesus escape the Pharisees hundreds of times before. It never mattered the circumstance. If he did it then, then he'll do it once more. Just one more time to make things right. Just one more deal to be had. I just need to talk to the right people and add 30 pieces of silver to the back. I had it all worked out. I set up the meeting, but first, dinner with my friends and my teacher. The, uh, the Last Supper as it will be rehearsed. He broke the bread, poured the wine, and gave a peculiar speech. He talked of his blood and his body and then commanded us all to eat. He looked me right in the eyes as he spoke of the one that would betray him, and everyone else was so self-focused, they didn't even notice in all of the mayhem. Not me, said one of the others, and the phrase just bounced around. Do what you're going to do, but do it quickly. So I left without making a sound. Did he know what I was doing? I mean, if he did, he must know how it ends. Certainly not in handcuffs. He knows I would never truly betray my best friend. I made the deal, balanced the bag. Then there was just one more thing to be done. Lead them to the garden where they could try and arrest God's only begotten son. I saw him, walked over, and kissed him. And something was different this time. He looked at me in anguish. He's tired. It's as though he hadn't slept at all that night. I saw the sweat like crimson, his body shaky and worn. We're here, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am who you're looking for. And with a mighty blast, the power of God struck all of the soldiers to the ground. He didn't move. He didn't run. Jesus, why didn't you run? This wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to end this way. I mean, he just waited to be arrested. He didn't even try to escape. They took him before a secret council. And then to Pilate after that, and I tried to return my blood earnings, but they wouldn't take the bag. And I threw it at their feet and ran. I wanted no part of this, but the deed was done. His fate was sealed, and I sealed it with my own kiss. And I watched as they stripped his clothing. Then they chained him to a post. He took so many lashes with a whip laced with metal and bone and He cringed with every beating, but he never gave sign of defeat. His flesh being torn to pieces, and that's 
That's when our eyes meet. Like I said, what hurts the most is that he never saw me as the betrayer. I looked at him as his blood poured out and as I said, I'm the forgiver. I mean, why did you look at me like that? Why did you grin as you bleed? Don't you know what I've done to you? Don't you see what I see? I write my first and last letter because I'm not worthy of his gaze and it pains me to close my eyes and see a smile looking at me from his face. I was there when you washed Peter's feet and you also washed mine too. You removed my sandals just like the others as if it was just, just me and you. And when you broke the bread and shared it, I was amongst the brothers. As Peter, James, and John ate with you, I also ate with the others. Knowing what would become of me, you let me share in your kindness. I ate with you. I slept next to you. You gave me everything, but all I gave in return was blindness. I could see but never saw the truth of what was being said. You spoke of real forgiveness, and I repaid your gift with death. So in my final hour, I'm filled only with regret. I don't wish to be hurt. I don't deserve that honor, but I do pray that people would forget. Forget my, forget my name and mark me no more as the one who betrayed our Savior. I'm not a monster, just a stupid man who never deserved his favor. And if my name you won't forget, and betrayer is the label that you choose, not for my sake, but for the sake of others to come, my name's Judas. Just remember, he washed my feet too. And I found that um, what was so significant in, in being able to write that was that uh, I never knew you could really relate to people in the Bible, especially someone like Judas. But I made decisions that ruined uh, a lot of people's lives for a while. But I found such comfort and release when reading through the Bible, I noticed that uh, you guys are familiar with Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. He went on to give the first altar call and brought 3,000 people to the knowledge of Jesus. And then I read about Paul, who persecuted and, and sentenced Christians to death when he was going with the artist formerly known as Saul. But he later went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And he brought the message of the gospel to all of Asia. And when I was at my lowest and I really related to Judas, I remember the Lord ministering to me and telling me, if Peter can deny me and bring 3,000 to Christ and Paul can kill Christians and still bring the message of the gospel to all of Asia and write two-thirds of my New Testament, can you imagine what I would have done with Judas? Because where... Sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And yes, when I'm talking about using the imagination and, and picturing something in your mind, by all means, I, I would absolutely expect whatever you're going through, whatever struggles you might be facing, picture yourself on the other side of that. If you're going through sickness, what does it look like healed? If you're going through financial difficulty, what does it look like to be financially free? You know, we're called to be a blessing to others, so we're blessed to be a blessing. That is the inheritance of being a fam part of the family of faith through Abraham. But there are certain things that are harder, I've found, for us to, to get through. Um, so I want to take you guys through an exercise that my Bible school teacher took me through. 
So if you guys would do me the honor. I want everybody in here to, whether you're a student or an adult, a pastor, um, working in production, don't worry. You want to do anything here. Um, But if you guys would close your eyes with me. This is something that I did, and I found it to be uh, one of the hardest things that I had to do. I want you to close your eyes and use that powerful imagination that you have. I want you to picture the worst memory that you ever have, Uh, specifically in regards to maybe a, a sin or something that's connected to shame or guilt. Shame and guilt um, are ultimately what took out Judas in the end. And I want you to, to sit in that moment. Maybe it's something that you did. Maybe it's something that someone else did to you. But when you picture yourself, whether it be in that room or in that, in that space, picture what it feels like. Use that imagination. What does that feel like to be in that moment? What does it feel like to, to be reliving that thing again. Now, I want you to take a look around the room, wherever room you're in, in your mind, and in the corner of some room somewhere, when I did this, I I had to look behind me because there was no way that I could see Jesus looking at me while I was doing what I was doing in this this memory. But look around the room and find Jesus, and you know that Jesus, Jesus is in the room. Now, I want you to take in all of the emotions, all of the feelings that you're feeling, whether it be something that happened to you, something that you're reliving. Jesus is in that room. And now watch as Jesus walks over to you. Now watch him take your place. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the songs that we sing about, they're not just pretty songs with good, with good words and good lyrics. There's something very powerful about what we get to sing in unison. Where there's unity, God, God demands and commands a blessing. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid a price that none of us could ever afford. In exchange for our sin, he gave us himself. The Bible says that Jesus was made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. Whatever moment you relived, whatever moment you went back to, it's not just a cute thought that Jesus would actually take your place. Jesus became the greatest level of of shame. Jesus became the greatest thing that brought you the most guilt. And that sin, that thing that happened to you, that thing that you did, that thing died on the cross so that we could receive the righteousness that fully belonged to Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, before he went to the cross uh, in the the Bible, he he had a little ceremony with his his friends where he had dinner, and he took the, the, the food, the bread that he was eating, and he said, hey, this represents my body. My body is broken for you. His, his body was broken so that ours could be made whole. That's where we find our healing. That's where we find diseases being broken off. And then he grabbed his cup and he said, this cup, it represents my blood shed for your sins and your iniquities. 
when Jesus was on the whipping post and when those nails were driven through his hands and feet, the crown of thorns put on his head, that was so that our sins could be wiped clean. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no, um, no extinguishing of sins. And I know a lot of our young people, you might not have gone through so much just yet, but I went through a lot at the age of 11 and 12 and younger than that. People, people aren't always kind to, to kids. People aren't always kind to youth. But whatever those things that would ever have shame or guilt attached to it, and adults especially, you, there's, there's so much that you've gone through. I could have no idea. But whatever those things are, Jesus took those things on himself so that we could be made the righteousness of God and find freedom through what he did. So if, if anything you get from tonight, I want you to, to know that even the ability to put your imagination to work to see what Jesus did for you on the cross, that is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Without Jesus, I would be an absolute mess. I am so grateful that I was saved at a young age and filled with the Spirit of God at a young age. But man, even with the most powerful spirit in the universe, I made some of the, I made the worst mistakes that I could have ever made. And had it not been for this revelation of, of being able to picture Jesus taking my spot, that, man, if I had to, if I had to imagine the worst thing that would have happened in, in my darkest moments, I deserve the worst of the worst. But Jesus made me worthy. He made you worthy of the goodness, the, the, the mercy, the grace, and the love of God. So if you would allow me the honor to pray for you, I would, I would be very honored if you would put your hands out like this toward heaven to receive from God like a gift. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I'm grateful that I was given the honor and the privilege to stand on a stage that I did absolutely nothing to earn. I've done nothing to get this, um, this opportunity that, that so many people have, have paved the way for, that so many beautiful men and women of God had uh, put their own blood, sweat, and tears into, in, into making this stage something worth standing on. Lord, I pray over this congregation, over every person in this room, whether you be a child, maybe an adult, an adult who still has that childlike faith. Father, I thank you that there is freedom in this place, that where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And I command that every assignment from the enemy, every wicked thought, every wicked imagination that would try to keep God's people back is broken off in the name of Jesus. I call shame and guilt on the spot and I command you to leave the minds and the hearts of these children of God. I thank you that because we are children of God, we are set free by his mighty power, by the anointing of God, we are protected from any evil work from the enemy.
that every assignment, every appointment that the enemy tried to put on you, on you people, it is broken off in the name of Jesus. And Father, further than that, I thank you for grace and for the ability to picture something better. Father, I thank you for the ability to see something different, to dream a dream. Anyone who has ever uh, dreamt something and found that that dream has, has, has dwindled down to nothing, I call out the dreamers again in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that um, those who are, who are experiencing symptoms or, or sickness in their body, we see healing on the other side, just like uh, the wonderful Rex Crane says, look for healing. Father, I thank you for the healing anointing in this room, that the presence of God saturates every physical body, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. He dwells in us and he quickens and gives life to our physical bodies. We release your word and we expect a return of investment on that in the name of Jesus. We call bank accounts that are dwindling to be filled in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are not made to be the tail. We are the head, not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We're blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We take, we take hold of your blessing. We take hold of the ability to prosper so that we can be a blessing to the people that we love and the people that need us. Father, I thank you that whatever families might be experiencing brokenness, whether it be from an event or from something like a divorce like my family went through, I thank you, Jesus, that you are mending broken hearts, that you, you are so powerful. You could even bring families back together, that those, uh, those parents in the room that have children that have, had have gone astray, that, that might feel like they're, they're, they're lost the same way that you did it with my brother, you can bring them right back to the throne room. You can bring them right back to the feet of Jesus. You can bring them right back because the seeds that were sown in them as a young child uh, are, are, are still fruitful. They're still potent. And you're, we're, we're sending people to water those seeds so that they sprout, spring up uh, like in Isaiah, uh, the, the, the seeds of righteousness springing forward. Father, I thank you that whatever dreams, whatever visions, whatever plans that these young people have, that you empower them by the Spirit of God, that creator ability, power through the Holy Spirit, that you would grow their visions, you would grow their plans, that you know the plans that you have for them for good, not for evil, for hope in a future. I declare over everyone in this room that we are going to dream bigger. We're going to see you do incredible things. And Lord, we are devoted to practicing taking the things in the unseen and pulling them into the visible. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Y'all, I am so honored that you would have me on this stage. I'm very grateful that you would listen to me talk to you for so long. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today at DP City Church. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. And we are believing God will do big things in your life this year. You can contact us at info.dpcitychurch.com. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can visit www.dpcitychurch.com. Thanks again. God bless.